Right, so you guys knew that Pastor was gonna go over Armor Bearer tonight, and he kind of already started when we did the Four Nights of Remnant, is what we ended up calling it. And I know those were remnant meetings, but he went over a lot of the deacon um, calling, the deacon, you know, we're all called to serve, and that's what the deacon's ministry is all about, is serving in the church. And, you know, um, even as I was going over this, and he's not here tonight, but even as I was going over this in my heart for tonight, um, I was thinking about what the role of a deacon is, and somebody came to mind in this church that to me just exemplifies the role of a deacon. And the funny thing is, is they're not even on leadership. And so that person is Don. Don, I mean, just this last Sunday, I stepped into the bathroom and I was like, there's a hook on the wall. I'm like, has that hook been here all the time or what? Like, I, I have stuff I'm carrying a lot. And so I go in there and I see that hook, and I'm like, that's so awesome. So I go to Don, I'm like, has that hook always been there, or did you just put that up? He's like, nope, I just put it up. But I would just say some of the things that are awesome about Don, just as we start, and just seeing a practical example, is that so many things that need to be done around the church he does, and nobody knows that he did it until you've seen it was done. And since he's came into that role of maintenance, I can see that burden that's been lifted, not only from pastor, from people calling pastor every time something is broke or something needs to be done around here, but also from Michael, you know, because Michael took on a lot of that along with running a business, along with worship team, along with all the stuff that he does as well. And so Don has really filled that void. And it's not only, that's, that's his ministry. Maintenance is Don. But you know what's awesome about that is it overflows into every other thing he does. In outreach, Don, I can tell you, I, have, I don't have to give a thought to what Don's gonna do when he shows up to outreach. I know he's gonna do exactly what he's been taught to do and he's gonna function on the level that God called him to function. And I know it's the same at the hospital. And you know what he's gonna do. He's consistent. He always shows up consistent. He doesn't show up unloading what's going on. He puts all that aside and he serves in that capacity. And it so reminds me of Stephen. You know, like I was just thinking about that, like wow, like Don is one of those people that exemplifies service. And so we're going to start with where it talks about the deacon. And Pastor went over this last week, but it's 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. I don't know what version you guys are using. I use Amplified a lot, but I actually am going to start in New King James as well. So qualifications of deacons. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with pure conscience. But let, those, let these also be first tested. Then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children 
and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So I want to, those are qualifications. And the cool thing about that is that when we think of our own lives, you know, God has set in households, husband and wife, children. So when we look at this verse, a lot of those things in that verse have to do with that parallel of the man being over the house. And that's why if we even look at society today, the chaos that's going on is that some households are ran by two men. Some households are ran without a father, which I can attest is not great. Um, but we know that God set men as the spiritual fathers over their house and the wife submits underneath that leadership as a leader herself, serving and leading together to raise the children and to take care of the house. And so these things that are listed here in First Timothy reflect that. So now I'm going to go to the Amplified version because when I was looking up this in the Amplified, there's a note and it says in verse 8, though the Greek word for deacon does not occur in Acts, only Paul uses it. It is generally thought that the origin of the office or ministry is found in Acts 6, 1 through 6, where Luke reports that seven men were appointed to assist the church leaders in serving and ministering to members of the congregation. And so pastors already went over this a lot of times about how um, these were the Greek Jews that were complaining that the widows weren't taken care of. And so um, they appointed seven men to do what the men of God didn't need to do because they were busy studying and preaching and leading this group of people. So they needed to set aside other men that were highly qualified in these areas of just being a, I mean, it's basically the bare minimum standard if we look at it. Um, the standards to be a deacon are not um, unattainable or higher than really just the standard Christian life that we should be living. Um, and so that's where we're going to start here. And our, um, okay, so I wrote this. We want pastor to be able to give full attention to the call and ministry gift God has given him to minister. We have a serving church. We all know that Winter's Church is full of people that serve. Um, it's always been that way. From the, first, from the first time that I even went, we immediately, I remember we were in a little building that was literally, it may have been this, no, I'm just kidding. It, was, it may have been the size of literally this over, not much bigger than this room. And the children's, get this, the children's uh, babies, three to five, I think it was everybody, I don't know, maybe just the babies, maybe just two and under, was literally like a four by six room. Am I exaggerating? So we're in this building, and the awesome thing was, is I remember going, I had met Pastor in Revival, and um, God had called me to come to Winter's Church, and so... I show up, I drop Titus off, and I don't know how much time it was, but I can promise you it may have been the first month that I went. I seen them people in that little room, 
And we all want to be, I mean, when I first started Winter's Church, I don't know about you guys, but I came out of an incredible encounter with God in that revival meeting. So literally every time that I would come into the church with Pastor Ziggy preaching, the lights were literally illuminated like by 50 every time. And I don't know if you guys have got to experience that, but stick around because I know that it's coming. I know that we're coming back into a season where God's gonna pour out his spirit in a big way and not just with us, but with his church as a whole. So anyways, I remember being there and within that first 30 days or so, as much as I hated the thought of missing service, I was like, I can take a turn with the kids. You guys are watching my kid. I'll come take a turn and... They let me. There was no checks or nothing at that time. They were just like, okay, we'll take it, you know? And so uh, I went and watched the kids. But that just goes to show from the beginning, that's where we started. This isn't something new at Winter's Church. It's part of, of, of the establishment of the vision, the purpose. And we all gladly, with joy, would serve knowing that we could come here and get a touch from God. Every time that we came, that we could come and get a word from God and find out, you know, what God was saying, not only to us individually, but as a group, and that we could come alongside each other and work together to see God's will done. And so, anyway, so that's, that's one of the first times I remember. Then we went to this huge building that's bigger than this and had upstairs and, and all the things. It was a huge building. And um, we would go clean it. So the church that we were renting from had lapses in people helping or something. And so we ended up taking in that void and we're like hey you know we'll do some of these things that aren't getting done and just bump some money off of the lease like that would be great so we did that forever I mean I don't even know how long it was but every I mean every Saturday night back then you guys think you got it rough we had church Saturday and Sunday night every week every week and we gladly went and we went to remnant we went to whatever we had every week we went and and god poured into our lives that's how we are the people that we are today and we're seeing god still do that and doing it without all the days of us meeting but um but in, and not that we don't meet a lot y'all know we still get together and we <laughs> but um wow it was so awesome so I remember Rhonda would have everybody's duties. I cleaned the men's bathroom. I know that was what I did. But I, I still, I remember when that thought tried to creep in of like, man. But you know, immediately at that time as that thought would try to creep in, I'm like, God, this is, this is a way of even meeting you here, cleaning these urinals. He was there. You know, that word that we had that night would permeate us and just move in us. And then we would get to go out and then the next day and every week. And we had fellowship. We had fun. Um, that may have been a night Rhonda was passing her wig around or Carolyn. Sorry. You sit in Rhonda's seat. That's on you. <laughs> I, I don't know where Miss Rhonda is, but bless you, Miss Rhonda, when you listen. Oh, she's here, y'all. My bad. Everybody's moved around today. Now I know what you mean. Okay. Trying to mess me up. I'm like, is pastor here somewhere? No. Okay. Yeah. So we have a serving church. This church serves God and serves others. Deacons serve the ministry of Winner's Church. 
Remember your why. If you ever come to a point that you find yourself overwhelmed or burnt out in your serving, it's not because of serving. It may be because you've forgotten why you are serving and who you're serving because we're not serving men, we're serving God. Um, we may be serving others, but ultimately we're serving God in his purpose. That's why we serve. And so another foundational scripture that I know we haven't talked about recently, I don't think pastors went over it recently, but he has in the past is Philippians 2, 5 through 8. It's so different ministering here. I'm in the jail and I'm like, this is awesome. I'm in here, I'm like, but it's all right. All right, are we there? Okay. Two, five. Yep, Philippians two, five. Have this same attitude in yourself, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility who although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity did not regard equality with God. Yeah. A thing to be grasped or asserted as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression a divine equality, and his rightful dignity. By assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, he became completely human but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in outward appearance as a man, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. So we see here that God served as God as the son of God. That's why he's called the son of man because he served us to reconcile us to the father. That's awesome. I did not mean to read that in the Amplified, so let's go to the King James. I was still in the Amplified because that's what I typically, I love the Amplified, so. The humbled and exalted Christ. So Philippians 2, 5, let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So that's what we want to think about is his mind. So that tells us that it's not just spiritual. It's something that you have to set your mind to. And so let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming into the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Okay. So we see in Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Not spirit, but mind. Serving is not just a grace from the spirit, but something that you have to set your mind to do. This doesn't happen automatically. We can be very carnal and selfish and serving from carnality or in the flesh will never put us in position to serve in the capacity God has called us to serve. And we know that because we've all been there at some point or another where we're doing something, but we're, we're forgetting who we're doing it for and why we're doing it. And we get in the flesh, you know, 
I worked all week. We, we make all the excuses. The enemy's there to freely give us advice as to other things that we should be doing or we could spend in our time or, you know, are you getting compensated or, you know, it's inconvenient. But, you know, that's what just came up in my spirit right now is that what has Pastor been saying? Preach the word. Preach the word when it's convenient, when it's not convenient. And, you know, that's something that I would say all of us in our serving, it's not usually convenient, you know? And if we even look back to what Gabe was preaching about sacrifice and the threshing floor, it costs you something. So we need to remember that as we're serving in all that we do for the Lord, it's gonna cost us something. It's gonna be a sacrifice. If it's not, then it's not serving. If it's not, then we need to find even greater ways to serve, to where it is a sacrifice. Maybe that's you. Maybe in your serving right now. And this isn't, and you know, with all this, all these things being said and that we're going over, it's not a condemnation. It's not saying shame on you. We all fail. We all fail. This is saying, this is the standard that we want to work toward. This is where we want to constantly walk toward. It's, you know, pastor talks about it all the time. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So none of us are at our destination. We're all heading that direction. But I would say that if you guys are not serving in a capacity that is costing you something, that it's inconvenient, that it's uncomfortable, then maybe you guys should see about where can I serve? What can I do? Because I guarantee you, if you put more skin in the game, you're going to get more out of it. Because we come here to minister to the Lord. So if we're not giving anything, then how are we ministering to the Lord? What are we, I mean, definitely we're receiving. You know, God's called us here to raise us up to, you know, pastors said it the other day, this is a training center. We're here to grow. We're here to be mobilized. But not just as an individual, but as a whole group that he's called us together to work together. So just look at, as we go over these things, it's going to cost you something. It is going to cause you to humble yourself many times over. There's going to be times when you get in the flesh. Just don't stop. Just keep going. You know, it's just like we say right here. You know, all of us were born to win, but we have to plan, plan, prepare, and expect. And so in our expecting, we should expect there's going to come trouble along the way. You know, I think that's what a lot of us do as believers. We think that this life is supposed to be easy, Life is never going to be easy. As a believer, definitely it's not going to be easy. As an unbeliever, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be way worse. But as a believer, it's not always easy. But sometimes we need to quit making it so hard. It's simple, you know. It's just not easy. And we don't, we're, we're here because God hasn't called us to do it alone. He's called us to rub shoulders with one another, to do this work together. And so, let me see. Um, so we can serve from our carnality or in the flesh, but that will never put us in position to serve in the capacity that God has called us to serve. And so again, when we look at Philippians 2, 5, he took upon himself the form of man, but this mind has to be in you, the Jesus kind of serving. Don't let this be a dread, but let this impact you and be seen as a blessing to your life and the life of others. And that's just talking about this whole message. That's talking about serving. That's talking about, you know, we're about to move into armor bearing. All of that is for the purpose to do the will of God. It's a blessing to your life, you know, to serve God. And in serving God, it's going to cause us to serve one another. And we do it in love, right? 
And so we're not going to go here because um, this is something else that pastors mentioned in the past, but it's from a particular version. It just makes it a little complicated. I think if you look at um, the other translations, but it really brings, I mean, it doesn't complicate it, but it just is best said through this translation. And it's Romans 2, 3 through 5 and 7. And what is, well, we'll read it because now I might as well just read it. Let me see here. But pastor, when he teaches this from this verse, it's the Weist version, W-U-E-S-T. And so um, it's going to be different, but it'll still give us a good idea of what we're going to get out of here. Okay. So for I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but think, ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So God will give you the faith to do these things, right? So for as we have member, many members in the body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one in body, one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And then pop down to verse seven. Um, which again, in this verse, it says, it talks about ministering, let us use it in our ministering, which the thing is, is serving is ministering. I mean, even when we talk about Fivefold ministry. The whole point of fivefold ministry is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Right. What ministry are we talking about? Serving, serving, deaconship, armor bearing, um, the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah, laying hands on the sick. I mean, it's all ministry. And so this is the ministry that God's called us to. But in the Weiss translation, when it talks about serving, it says, exercise in your sphere of serving. Not all serve in the same areas or the same way. Stay within the boundaries of your sphere in your service. That's good. So these things aren't done by the natural man or your natural man runs from serving, especially serving without compensation in the natural or these things can come from... These things come from the spirit supernaturally, but our attitude and mind has to be in the right place as well to work together with one another and the Lord. And that kind of goes back to having the same mind that Christ had and that we have to set our mind to do these things. But it isn't just setting your mind to do the things because that's another thing that if you only set your mind to do the things, but you don't see the spiritual side of it, the grace, the endowment, the faith that God's given you to do these things, then you're going to run out. Because your mind, one day, you may have said it, but the next day, you may not have your mind set to serve. But if you have your heart set on Jesus, you'll do it anyway. But best case is that you do both, that you set your mind to do it and that it, you have that grace. And sometimes, you know, when you're struggling, as soon as those thoughts try to come that you're struggling and you're serving, go to God, right? Sometimes it's the last thing that we need to do first, you know, go to him, ask him, hey, I need help. I need your favor. I need your grace to abound toward me in this area. You know, um, not look to people because we want to look to people and see people as the problem. But go to God. That he's the one that has all the answers. That's where our hope comes from. So this is the intro to God's armor bearer. 
All right. So um, this is the book right here. And I know many of you have it. Um, it's called God's Armor Bearer by Terry Nance. I had Jerry, but I did change it. Terry Nance. And so um, Pastor agrees with most of the concepts behind what Nance has brought out in this armor bearing book, but some of the terms he may not have used to say it the exact way that Nance has, but overall the principles are correct. So any ideas or teaching of armor bearing that you've had before this, maybe at another church or somewhere else, just forget, let those things go for this season. You know, I'm not saying that it was all bad or it was wrong, but for the purposes of us here, we want to come together in unity, in one spirit, and look at this and move forward together. And um, sometimes, I mean, we've been talking about it for months. All the voices, all the voices, it was awesome. A great example of this was at the detention center the other day. I think it was last week. I was there and ministering to all these guys. It was awesome. And they were like, we have so many programs coming in here, and they all say something different. I'm like, boom. So you know what? You better read this word so that you know what's what, because you're going to hear a lot of voices, not only in here, but out there. And you need to know what the word of God is and what he's saying to you. And so it's the same for us, right? We want to be on the same road together. And as we're learning these things, you know, pastor talks about the narrow and the wide. We're narrowing it down to make it easy so that we all know not only what to expect from God, but um, what he expects of us. Because we want to serve God. We want to serve in excellence. We want to be all that he created us to be. We want to let that old man and all those things die and walk in the new man and walk in the fullness of what he has for us. Okay. So, yeah. So just let that other stuff that you've heard about this, just let it go. And um, let's just grasp what teachers... Uh, what teachers, what pastors teaching us and what he's going to be sharing and going over with us in the next few weeks. So author Terry Nance served around Happy Caldwell. So one evening while Terry Nance was praying, Nance was prompted by the Lord to read the story of David and Saul. We're not going to read that story tonight for the sake of time, but um, in that story, in 1 Samuel 16, 21, this verse stuck out to him. And this is what was the catalyst to, to him writing this book. Um, the Lord quickened Nance and spoke to him to be Pastor Caldwell's armor bearer. But that's not the verse. So we need to get to the verse. So uh, let me look it up. 1 Samuel 16, 21. I know I move fast. Can, can we wait till the end? Would that be okay? So I can keep my... Okay, well, if you're here, say it. If not, another time. But um, 1 Samuel... Uh, well, I can't find 1 Samuel on my Bible here. Okay. So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. So this scripture stuck out to um, Terry Nance, and that's why this book was wrote. And he knew that in God, 
showing him this through these, these series of verses that he was revealing something to him that he wanted him to give not only through his life, but also to the body of Christ. And so I'm going to go ahead and read. If you guys do have the book, I don't know if any of you brought it. I know that you guys knew that we were going over this today, but um, it's, we're going to start with The spirit of an armor bearer. So we live in a world that seems to know very little about laying down one's life for another. A full understanding of this concept is vital to the Christian, especially if he knows that he's been called into ministry. Instead of offering ourselves to wait on others, we in the church often expect them to wait on us. This is particularly true of our attitude toward man or woman of God. You and I will never flow in the anointing of Elijah until we have learned to serve Elijah. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. It is not difficult to claim that we are submitted to Jesus, but the question is, are we submitted to another human being? That is a different story. One day I asked God, what about my dreams and desires? He told me to give them to him and to work at fulfilling the desires and visions of my pastor, assuring me that if I would do so, he would see to it that my dreams and desires would be fulfilled. He reminded me that that is exactly what Jesus did. He gave up his own will and desire in order to do the Father's will for his life. In turn, the Father made sure that Jesus' dreams and visions were all fulfilled. So the purpose of this book is to give you a revelation of the spirit of an armor bearer in your relationship with the man or woman of God in your life. And so it's by the Holy Spirit, right? We all know these things come by the Holy Spirit. And so that, um, that just talks about how, you know, being second. Pastor talked about it last week. And I think sometimes our expectations with that can seem shallow. You know, they can seem like that's not a great work, but God is doing a great work through that. You know, um, we can't have 10 people trying to cast a vision of this church because, you know, pastor says it all the time. Anything that has more than one head is a monster. And, you know, just like we talked about households earlier and that God set men in the, in the house to be the head. Um, that's why, you know, a lot of things that are going on bring chaos because there's so many people that don't have the capacity to lead and they're, they don't know why. But the church, as, as the church, we need to lead in our families. We need to show the world that not only we can lead our households, but we can lead our churches in the example that God gives us through his word. And that is that God gives a man vision for a foundation on a church. He doesn't give everybody that vision. He gives that man. Now, of course, there's people that come alongside and there's pieces that God will share. But I found even in my life, God will share stuff with me and then I'll hear Pastor Ziggy preach it. The same stuff that God's talking to me about. And that's probably happened to all of us. That literally the Lord will speak to me about something and I haven't talked to Pastor, but the next thing I know, he's saying it. And he's saying it in a way that I didn't hear it, but even more multiplies the impact of it on my life because maybe I only heard a part of it that God said, but we know, I mean, we're all here because God has drawn us here and definitely um, under the ministry of Pastor Ziggy, but there's ministries underneath him. There's not just one ministry in this church. 
Every one of us carries ministry within us, and we need to walk in it. Because when we don't walk in that ministry, then we haven't, we're not the body, you know, because we're trying to fill gaps. But, you know, even today, as I was just meditating on these things and looking at it, I just seen this picture of, like, even with Don, like I said, Don is just a great example of somebody that exudes servitude in, in everything that he does. And he doesn't ask for recognition. He doesn't ask for a title. He doesn't take a lot of direction. He only comes and asks for direction when he needs it. He's not, and I mean, it's okay to ask for direction. Like, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying Don is just an incredible listener, probably, honestly, probably way better than me. But he's just an incredible listener because you can literally say something and it's done, man. The next thing you know, he's done it. And so, but even in that example, when we get a bigger church, I mean, we already need one. We already need one. The youth are about to move to another night. And I'm thinking that's going to add some more serving to my life, which is fine. No, just wait. But uh, I'm happy to do it for real. I love them kids. They're fun. But, you know, if we had a bigger building, we had a gym, you know, they wouldn't have to go outside and hit cars and make Marissa mad. You know, there's just so much opportunity if we had a bigger facility. And so I just think about that. But with that bigger facility comes what? More responsibility, but also it makes a place for God to bring more people. Because when we dig a hole, he fills it. And so I just know that as that happens, Don's doing maintenance. But you know what? At that point, Don's going to be discipling so many people, ministering to so many people. Half of it we would never hear about. This guy is ministering every single day. He tells me on outreach night, he didn't even come to outreach. He's telling me people that got saved. I mean, that's awesome. And I'm not saying that's all of us. That is Don functioning in the grace, in the purpose that God has put on his life. That guy has a ministry. He has a ministry. And he's a big-time blessing to everybody that he serves under and in all he does. And there's many of you. I'm just using that as an example because I think we could look at that and be like, maintenance. But I know I got a text from Hilda this week to ask if I could be at the church for something. And I was working. Guess who I promised you was here? done to let people in and and what what did he need in for because and it's things that you guys will never know about frosting windows somewhere in the back so maybe somebody will know the kids people or pastor will know because his office was one of them so people you know he's not watching people go by as he's in there doing whatever he wants to do you know but don was here to serve and how many people did that leave just from him being here to do something that we couldn't be here to do and so, man, so that's just awesome. So I just don't want you guys to think of this because I know at times, even when I've heard this message, I've heard it through the wrong filter. And I know that that happens so often in things that we hear. But if we just really make our expectations realistic, that we got to get our eyes off people. We have to keep our eyes on God. We have to remember why we're here. We have to remember why we all came together, not because we're all alike. The only thing that most of us have in common is Jesus, but that's enough. That's everything. Because I can even tell you, even when I'm connecting with people outside, when they don't have Jesus, I honestly don't have nothing to connect with them. It's very dry and it, not, not any substance to it, you know. But people that have Jesus, people that are hungry for Jesus, all day, every day we can hang out, you know. And so we just have to remember why we were brought together and for what purpose.
Okay. So I wanted to, so in the role of the armor bearer, I skipped this part, which it's in the book, but just because you, you guys may not have the book. The role of the armor bearer in the Old Testament is that the armor bearer was responsible to carry the master's shield into battle. He had the responsibility of seeing to the safety of the officer. And so that just gives us a picture of, um, you know, looking over God's word that he spoke over this church for us, for, for the reasons that we're here. God spoke a word over this church, and all of us are holding up shields to protect that word that God gave us, the vision that God gave us. You know, the man of God that's constantly casting vision, that he's the set one to tell us this is what God's saying, this is the direction we're going. He has a clear vision of where we're going, of, of how we're gonna get there. So if we forget, all we have to do is go back and listen to all the words that have been spoken. To we, Hilda puts all those messages online so that we can go back and hear vision being cast every week, every week, every week. And we only need Pastor Ziggy. I don't think we could handle two Cherie's. I don't think we could handle two Pastor Ziggy's or anybody else. We only need one of what each of us carries. You know, and some of the ministries may be similar but this is the other thing. All of us don't stay where we were at. Miss Rhonda, another perfect example. I think Miss Rhonda has literally served in every ministry at this church. And again, like Don, never trying to get a title, never asking for recognition, never getting funky about it. If she does, I've never seen it. I have never seen her complain. I've, now, I've seen her complain about people, but not ministry. <laughs> People in the flesh, let's add that. No, but Miss Rhonda, I'm telling you, she is awesome. Miss Rhonda has literally served everybody. She's been in outreach. She's been a, a huge blessing. I mean, if, if, if I'm gone and I'm out of town, Miss Rhonda, can you lead? Because I know she's going to take it. She's going to do it. I know exactly she, what she's going to do. I know that she's going to show up. She's going to be ready. She could be going through hell at home, but I know Miss Rhonda is going to show up. She's going to be prepared, and she's going to see to it that whoever God puts in front of her is going to hear the word of God. And it doesn't matter if it's a hospital or anywhere else. And then she'll come up here and preach fire out of her mouth and into you. And so, she, so but she's not, she's not like, look at me, I'm teaching, I'm below this, I'm below that. No, she does whatever she's been asked to do. And she takes it as if it was marching orders from God himself. And so we all, we have so many people that we can look at, you know, that are awesome examples of, of serving God with gladness, with joy, in peace, not begrudgingly, but giving of themselves. And asking for nothing in return. And I guarantee you the key to Miss Rhonda doing all that is because she knows who she's doing it for. It's not for me. It's not for anybody other than Jesus. And so, man, that's awesome. Miss Rhonda, you want to come teach the rest of this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So all of us at Winner's Church are here because God brought us here. He knew that we needed to not only fulfill the plan and purpose for ourselves, but who he needed to bring together to see his vision for Winner's Church established and carried out. God gave Pastor Ziggy clear direction as to what and how he expected the church to function. Pastor Ziggy, as the set one at this church, is the one who casts vision and keeps us on track to see that vision fulfilled. We only need one pastor. Many others have roles in the church, assignments and callings, but each of us, 
Each one of these should lead to the clear vision of Winner's Church. Deacons traditionally in the church have came and took on roles that they were never meant to have biblically. Instead of protecting the vision of the pastor and keeping the culture that was established by the pastor, which is the shepherd, we, we have at times became defenders of the sheep. Not us, they. They have become defenders of the sheep. And we've seen this in churches that we've been to where it's a mess. It's a mess because them people in the pews are trying to control the pastor, and it is terrible. It is terrible to watch. And it, it's, it's, it's demonic. I'll just be straight up. It's demonic, and um, God bless them. But um, we know that that's not what the Lord intended when he established set ones over the church. Sheep don't need to be protected from the pastor. Sheep have been brought to the church for direction from the pastor. It's funny that the Bible refers to us as sheep because sheep are the only animals that can't follow, that can't herd on their own. They must have a shepherd. They need direction. So deacons are responsible to carry out the vision set by the pastor in all they do, from cleaning the church to children's ministry, from outreach ministry to worship ministry. All of these are helps ministry when it comes to the church. Helping the pastor to carry out the vision given by God, coming together to fulfill it. God knows every purpose he has called us to. So as we serve, we can trust God will move us as he sees fit to get the work done through us as a body. And you may not stay in the same role, but I guarantee you, if you can't do the very thing he's asking you to do right now, then I don't know how we're going to do the next thing he's asking us to do because he won't ask us. I mean, if we're refusing to do the thing he's asking us to do right now, then we're, not gonna, we're just going to be stuck. And that's the worst place to be because just like pastor said last Sunday, you need to make a choice of what you're going to do. Are you going to go back and stay in that old man and live that old way? Or are you going to move forward into all God has you has for you? And, and the thing is, is you have every resource that you need to do that. Between the people here that we want to see everybody win, we want to see everybody succeed, we want to see everybody come into the calling and the plan of God for their life, full of the Holy Ghost and fire, to where we can catch this whole city on fire. Each one of us, and people see our lives, like Miss Rhonda and Mr. Don, just by looking into their lives, see Jesus, see his influence. I mean, that's awesome. I, I Man, I, I want to be that person. I'm not sure. If he, you know, I don't know what people see looking at me sometimes. Sometimes I don't know what I see. But I'm just saying to be able to say that, for people to say that about you, for people to say when I see you serving, I see Jesus. Man, those people probably are not going to have to worry about when they see Jesus, him say, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. No, they're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, coming into the glory of God. And man, that's awesome. So one of the other areas that we can get tangled up in is the area of feeling left out or wanting to be closer to pastors personally. So the people that end up in closer proximity in serving with pastors are not those who chose to serve to do so. Guarantee you that, because I, boy, I never seen myself serving pastor like I am. I'm like, Lord Jesus, help. Um, but, you know, they didn't choose to be there. That's where God put them. And it's not, it's not what it seems. Pastors talked about that all the time. But it's just important to say that, that we got to be where God puts us. 
you know? And even those people, how many, how many stories has pastor told of people that were right there doing all the things, and guess what? They're not there now. They're, they're somewhere else. So that goes to show you, be careful what you ask for, and make sure that whatever, wherever God puts you, around whoever he puts you, that you're there for the Lord, right. that you're there to do his work, not to be seen, not to be hanging out, you know, with people, you know, I mean, we got to, we got to, we got to, let's hang out with Jesus, you know, let's go where he's at, you know, hanging out with people is not going to get you anywhere. We got to, we got to follow the spirit and go where he leads us. And wherever he leads us, I promise you, it's going to be the best place that you could possibly be. You're going to see yourself doing more than you probably wanted to do or ever seen yourself doing, but you're going to love it because it's what God has for you. You're going to enjoy it because you're stepping into your God-given destiny. I mean, man, that's, it's everything. It's everything. So those who are in close proximities to leaders, to our pastors, um, in serving, they're not doing so because they chose, but those who have been called to these assignments that happen to have the need for the role. The pastors are not choosing favorites or creating a club for people to serve to get into. The purpose of all areas of serving is to do so unto the Lord. We have to change our minds when it comes to seeing these areas of serving as something to attain. We're not, we're not attaining anything other than the glory of God through the will of God, through his word. That's what we're going to do. You know, we're not, we're not trying to get anything from people, from this church, or from God that he hasn't given us. We're just here to receive. We're to receive from this church. We're to receive from these pastors. We're to receive from God. Freely you've been given, freely give. That, that's it right there. That's it. And so... These are the things of the spirit, not of the flesh. We're not looking for titles, recognition, etc., to be the reason we serve. We don't want to have an unrealistic expectation of where serving will take us. We must do what Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says and set our minds and our attitudes to serve the Lord. It's all for him. Awesome things will happen. Lessons will be learned that cannot be taught in any other way. You will grow in spiritual maturity and as a leader. We are all called to lead through serving, just like Jesus. He led through serving. We all have a responsibility to the Lord as a church to see to it that the vision God has given to pastor is walked out. We don't serve to be a slave or to be a blessing only. I mean, we will be a blessing, but that's not why we do it is to be a blessing. We do it because the Bible tells us to and shows us to serve for God's will to be done. All right, so we're going to go back to the book. So that was just kind of a summary of the things that were in between these two chapters of the book. So definition of the word armor bearer. The word armor bearer is listed 18 times in Strong's Concordance. All of the references are from the Old Testament. Each of these listings is referenced by two numbers indicating the word that was originally translated from two Hebrew words. That sounds very doctor or 
something. So before beginning a study of the actual scriptures in which these, this word appears, let's consider its original meaning, meaning which must be firmly established if the true idea of the term is to be fully understood. As we have noted, the King James word armor bearer was translated from two Hebrew words. The first is nasa, nasa. This is a primary word meaning to lift. Man, that's awesome. Because you know what? It's not, it's lifting up God. It's lifting up the word of God through our actions and through our life. It has a great variety of applications, both figuratively, figuratively and literally. Some of the more interesting applications are to accept, advance, bear, bear up, carry away, cast, desire, furnish, further, give, help, hold up, lift, pardon, raise, regard, respect, stir up, yield. Yield, that's a good one. The second Hebrew word is kali, which comes from the root word kala, meaning to end. Some of the applications, and you know what, to end, what's the word for this year? Completion. That's what it's about, completing the cause, completing the cause of Christ, completing the vision of Winner's Church, completing this assignment. And you know what? The thing is, is I doubt unless Jesus comes back, this assignment's going to be left to our kids. So you need to have more. <laughs> and they can. They're, they, they got a full womb. But uh, so it's not that. But I'm, I'm pushing because I seen it last week, boy. There was just something stirring in me like, uh-uh, no, devil, you wish. <laughs> you wish. And so anyways, but yeah, this is a legacy. This isn't something just for us right now. And if you guys think you're going to retire, y'all retirees, uh-uh, we got stuff to do. Y'all going to be working this work for a long time. Y'all were called to do this work and see it completed. And it's going to be awesome. You know, it's not going to seem like work. It's, it gets better and better. And so, um, to end. So, some of the applications of this root word are to complete, consume, destroy, utterly, be done, finish, fulfill, long, bring to pass, holy reap, make clean, riddance. Um, from these two Hebrew words, we can see the duty of the armor bearer was to stand beside his leader, to assist him, to lift him up, and to protect him against any enemy that might attack him. So in developing, wait, 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 wait. I don't want to read that because I'm not sure that I'm going to read that. Okay. So developing the spirit of an armor bearer, my purpose in writing this book is not to boast of how humble I have become by serving my pastor, but to help put an end to the division in the body of Christ. Like everyone who reads this book, I too have to deal with the temptation to get into strife, to refuse to submit in some areas of my life. But the Lord has given me grace and I have learned to call upon him and to trust him completely to direct my steps. You can too be set free from rebellion, strife, and contention when you develop the spirit of an armor bearer. Even though this book is written from the viewpoint and position of an associate minister, please do not think that it does not relate to you. It will help anyone who is a part of the body of Christ, anyone who desires to fulfill his or her God-given call to the person in fivefold ministry. I say this, you will never arrive at a place where you do not have to submit where you do not have to submit to another. 
The spirit of an armor bearer is the spirit of Christ. It is the heart of a servant. Now let's take a look into the function. Okay. So these are functions and duties, but I'm not going over all of them. I'm just going to skim over it right quick. Um, yeah, we're doing good on time. We got time, guys. I'm fast. He said three chapters. I'm almost through two. So I don't, we're not going to get to three. I can tell you that. We're not going to get to three. But this will work. So function of an armor bearer. As we look at the function of an armor bearer, I would like for you to allow the Holy Spirit to quicken your heart and reveal to you where you might have failed to flow with your spiritual leaders. Man, that's good for me. I'm thinking about it right now. Make a quality decision to rid yourself of any trace of rebellion, strife, contention, competitiveness, unforgiveness, determining to faithfully fulfill your rightful place in the body of Christ. If we have those things going on, we may want to look and see where is my serving at? You know, I don't know, but it seems that way. The function of one who is designated as an armor bearer is that of service. He is to help and assist another. Let's look at some of the different forms this service takes. So duties. An armor bearer must provide strength for his leader. So that's saying that we want to always lift up, strengthen. You know, um, I would say one of the things that is most helpful probably, or at least when I think about the areas that I've served and I've led people, is when people follow. Is when people do what you preach, you know? You know, if we're at outreach, when you do it, it's a blessing, right, Tyler? It's not that we don't want other people to come. We'll help you. We'll walk with you. We'll carry you if we have to. But, man, it strengthens us to be able to really move. And as a, as a group, not just for the leader, but it helps us all to move as a group. So strengthen. That is awesome. And even you guys that are in business, boy, I'll tell you, having some people that you can count on, that strengthen the business and they're not a liability is, is, even in the world, this is the principle. So that's something that we need to look at. So number two, must have a deep down sense of respect for his leader and acceptance for and tolerance of his leader's personality and his way of doing things. Boy, that's one right there, right? So God made us all different. At least 50% of the time, your pastor's way of doing things will differ from yours. Let me say that again. At least 50% of the time, your pastor's way of doing things will different from yours. That difference should not be allowed to cause a problem for you or your spiritual leader. Wow. For you or your spiritual leader. So a lot of times people, they won't let it affect them, but they let it affect their life. They let it affect their serving. They quit. They run. They, they, they have unrealistic expectations. So as we look at over these, we need to think about these are the expectations that we need to have going in so that the enemy can't come and whisper all these lies and discredit and bring doubt and, and ask, question where you're at, question your position. We have to see our position as seated with Christ. We're, we shouldn't even see ourselves as being a part of this world or having our own life. That, that's gone when you stepped into the kingdom. When you took on the life of God and your old life died. That, that whole thing was gone. Now we're living unto Christ. So three, must instinctively understand his leader's thoughts. 
So we know that through preaching and vision. So a lot of times we think that's like this huge thing. But really, all it means is I will tell you something that comes up time to time is, um, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. He's helping me. <laughs> He's helping me. Um, so how that'll come up is, oh, man, it's so it's such a good example, but I'm not going to do that one. Um, oh, I can't think of any other one. Help me. <laughs> okay, so we know, okay, so giving, we'll just use that. That'll be an easy one. So giving, don't be talking about your broke up in here. Because we know good and well, Pastor, don't say he's broke. You may be feeling broke, but thank God you don't go by your feelings. I'm there too sometimes. But I know what God said. I know what the word of God said. And I know what my man of God said, that I am not broke, that I'm over, not under, that I am blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out, that God's called me to live a prosperous, abundant life. And so that's what we have to remember. That right there is something. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Remember what God said. Remember what the word of God being preached in this house is. Remember what God says about you, right? And live that out. So just that. This isn't asking to know what Pastor Ziggy's favorite color is. I mean, come on. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, it's so that we know what's his thoughts about giving. What's his thoughts about receiving, you know? I know my sister back here, Lee, she's a giver. I took her to lunch the other day. No. I'm like, girl, you about to receive today. That's what we're taught in this church is receive. You can't just be a giver. You have to be a receiver. And you know what? If you're a giver and you're not a receiver, you're going to be mad. You're going to be all kinds of mess because God hasn't called us to just give out. He's called us to receive. As we receive, we give. Freely you've been given, freely give. You notice he said that. He's given us the power before he's called us to release it. So you have the power to do everything. You just got to take the initiative to loose it and receive it again. So instead of... Okay, so when, when it's talking about understand his thoughts, your leader's thoughts, I can hear what you're probably thinking right now. My pastor and I just don't think alike. That's not right. No peop, two people do. And that is one of the problems that must be dealt with and being an armor bearer to another. Instead of complaining about your differences, begin to discover and confess your agreement. In Jesus' name, I understand how my pastor thinks and I flow with him in the spirit of understanding. So even when you don't, by faith, this is how we do these things. That scripture in Romans said that you've been given the faith to do it. So you can do it. So anytime that you hear, I can't do it, you can do it. Um, so five, must make the advancement of his leader his most important goal. When I asked the Lord, what about my dreams and goals, the vision you have placed in my heart? He said to me, son, you are not to live for the fulfillment of your dreams or visions. Set it as your goal to achieve your, pa achieve your pastor's dreams, and I will make sure that yours are fulfilled. And it just goes back to, you know, and, and this is kind of, I think, where pastor talks about how he doesn't agree with the wording on everything. Sometimes you can look at this and be like, pastor's dream. It's the vision of the church. That's what this is talking about. It's the vision that God gave pastor for this church. And so, and I've had to hit this head on myself because God's told me a whole bunch of things about my life, about what he's called me to do, about all the things he's going to do. The problem comes when you try to figure it out. 
That's where the problem comes because you can only do what he said to do. And he called you here. So don't try to figure out how he's going to do all the other things, how he's going to do the things he said to you. Just know that if you're about the father's business, he's going to see to it that the purpose and plan for your life is fulfilled. Only God can. You can't anyways. So all you can do is follow him where he leads you. And if he led you here under this house to give, to serve and to give of your life to him here, then as you're doing that, don't you think you're going to be right in the middle of God's plan and purpose for your life? I mean, that's it. But I guarantee you the enemy will come and tell you a hundred different things different. But I'm telling in your flesh, sometimes you, you just want to scratch your flesh, you know. But we have to call it what it is and let it go and move forward because we don't want to get stuck. Even in that area, that's an area that I know a lot of people get stuck. I know that's probably the biggest area the enemy tries to fight me on is telling me crazy stuff. But I'm finally in this point in my life, um, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. I didn't come here to lose. I came here to win. And I'm not stopping for nothing. And thank God that I can go to my pastor and say, hey, what, what, what is this? You know, I'm, I've got some things off. Like, I've got some things. I'm not sure what this is. And literally, the peace and clarity of God comes through just a couple of words, just, just exposing those things in your life that are trying to lead you down a path God never called you to go. And we have plenty of people in this church that will gladly take you by the hand and lead you through those difficult times whenever you don't know which way to go and bring clarity. And Pastor Ziggy will definitely bring clarity, you know, but we know as even leaders, we know exactly what pastor, because how many times have we had to go to him with the same thing? We're all in this together. There's nothing that you guys are facing that any of us haven't faced. So we just need to do it together. We need to remember that we're not alone, that we have a fellowship here that is for each other, not against each other, no matter how much the enemy would try to lie and say that, you know, you're on your own. You don't have any friends. We're not here to make friends. We're here to kick the devil's butt. That's what we're here for. Kick him out of our house, out of our life, out of our city, out of this nation, and to see the spirit of God poured out on every person and starting with us and our families and this church and to make an impact all for the will and the glory of God. So, um, number six, must possess endless strength so as to thrust, press, blah, thrust, press and force his way onward without giving way under harsh treatment. So must possess endless strength so as to thrust, press and force his way onward without giving way under harsh treatment. So first Peter 2.20, for what glory is it if when you being buffeted, 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 buffeted. I'm not, I don't speak this kind of language, so I apologize. If you want to put it up there in something else, I'd gladly read it. This is old school King James right here. First Peter 2.20. Okay, cool. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. And so I would say, I mean, for us, the suffering in America, it's minimal. I mean, the suffering is you worked all day and you came to church and Sheree's here, not pastor, and she's still going. And she preaches nearly as long as he does. So, <laughs> you know, 
you're giving of yourself today, sacrifice. It's a pleasing aroma before the Lord. But, you know, this passage makes it very clear that there will be times in the midst of battle when you and I feel that we are being wrongfully treated. These types of situations are bound to arise, but do not allow Satan to put resentment into your heart. Learn to give the situation over to the Lord and endure what comes patiently. God will be pleased with you. It may be that in your heart you know you made the right decision, but in the eyes of your leader it may seem wrong. That happens. That happens. Such times will develop character in you if you walk in love, allowing the Spirit of God to take charge of the matter. Your strength will always come by encouraging yourself in the Lord, as David did in 1 Samuel 36. The easy thing to do is quit, saying, well, no one around here appreciates me. Oh, we've heard that. We've heard that. I was rebuked, and I know I was right in what I did. Do not give into the flesh. Get in prayer and stay there until 1 Peter 2.20 has become a part of your very being. Victory will spring forth and you will say with David of old, I will bless the Lord at all times. So seven, must follow orders immediately and correctly. Come on, Jesus. That's good. In order to be a good leader, one must be a good follower. And being a good follower means taking care of the things quickly and efficiently. If you aspire to become a leader, then the one you should serve today must be able to depend upon you to carry out his directives. Here are some of the simple keys to help you become a better follower so that someday you may become a better leader. And that's just some principle stuff. You guys, I'm sure you guys are going to get the book after this, so I'm not going to go through all those. But it's basically, I mean, it's telling you practical things. So number eight, must be a support to his leader. Every pastor needs a group of faithful supporters, especially among his associates and staff. That's good. The word supporter means that which supports or upholds, a sustainer, a comforter, a maintainer, and a defender. That's awesome. Contrary to popular belief, pastors are human just like anyone else. They hurt, they make mistakes, they get frustrated and bothered. Many times they face discouragement and disappointment. As armor bearers, our job is to uphold, sustain, maintain, and defend our leader, being there for him to lean on in times of need. Right now, and that's saying, like Don, Rhonda, Rhonda is a perfect example of that. Everybody that's needed somebody to lean on has leaned on her, and I have several times. I almost talked about the first prayer sessions that we had coming to Winter's Church, but y'all can ask Ms. Rondo about that later. So let's go on to the next one. Nine, must be an excellent communicator. Communication is more important than anything I know of in establishing a relationship with a leader. It is the only way to build trust between pastor and his associates. This doesn't mean that you are to bother your pastor with every issue or decision that comes up. This does not mean that you are to bother your pastor with every issue or decision that comes up. Go to the person that has been designated to deal with those things. And we all know who those people are by now. Y'all went through member class. We know who's who and go to those leaders. We don't need to go to pastor for everything. I, I honestly, I, even though I call pastor stuff, I probably call him less than most. I probably call him less than I should. I was just telling him the other day, I was like, I probably should call you more. You know, because I don't. I don't want to bother him because I know he has so much to take care of. Why am I going to add to that? Especially things that I can go to the Lord or go to Tyler or go to Carolyn or go to Miss Rhonda or go to Brandon. 
You know, I had to go to you when I went to revival. You, I didn't call a pastor about my flat tire. <laughs> I called Anna, and Anna called Brandon and Gil. Yes. So, you know, I mean, we just, we just, that's just things that we need to think about. It's not saying if you're bleeding out and dying on the battlefield, please let pastor know if that's what's needed. But, you know, check. Just stop and be like, do I need to do this? Do I need to do this? I mean, we've all learned that. We've all learned that because I guarantee you in the beginning, I, when I first came here, I was with pastor every service after a service for probably 20 minutes. So I was worse than probably anybody that ever came through this church. But I'm here to tell you, if I would have just listened, I could have learned all those things. I mean, he he's, isn't saying anything out here that he's not saying in the service. So if we just listen and pay attention, or those that have been around for a while, we could tell you. You know, and it'll be fun to have that back and forth, you know, that discussion with one another and to take the time for one another. But let pastor do what he does, you know. Especially Pastor Annie will really be blessed if you do that too, you know, because a lot of times she's, she's trying to get her things done. She's everybody, all of us, right? We all have things. We can't be bitter about that. Life is crazy just getting things done, you know? I mean, ugh, getting things done, the maintenance, the maintenance on my car. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I just need to get another car because I don't want to do that. But that's another story. Okay. So communication, and, you know, that's something that I think that through your whole Christian walk that is, it's going to be something that you have to um, grow in. I'm still growing in communication. You know, my communication um, has changed definitely from when I came. I look back to some Facebook posts. I didn't even spell words out, y'all. I was, I don't know what I was doing. I had all kinds of <laughs> ghetto street talk. That's what I would call it. So my communication has definitely changed, but it's not perfect. But you know what? I'm not looking for perfection, but as long as we can communicate in love, and just like earlier when the Lord's like, Sheree, do not say that, don't say it. You know, sometimes we don't need to say things, you know. Sometimes we have to pray and let the Lord work those things out because we can do more harm than good. And so, 10, you must have a disposition that will eagerly gain victories for your leader. In 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-six, David said of the Lord, thy gentleness hath made me great. David was a great warrior, but he declared that it wasn't his boldness, assurance, or strength that made him great. Rather, it was God's gentleness. This is the character trait that will gain victories for the leader and the one who serves him as armor bearer. And so, same thing right there. Speak in gentleness, speak in love, um, you know, be bold, be direct when you need to, but not for the sake of time. You know, it's better to over-communicate than under-communicate sometimes, not in your personal matters, but in important things, you know, we've all been there too. Um, 11, you must have the ability to minister strength and courage. In order to minister strength and courage, an armor bearer must possess an endless fountain of these virtues himself. The word courage means bravery, the ability to encounter difficulties and danger with firmness, boldness, and valor. When your pastor stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, build the church building without going into debt, what's your reaction? Some may say the pastor is really missing it this time. How do you respond? In faith or doubt? No. So last thing, remember one thing, the vision of the church you are called to serve is God's vision. And if he did not think you could fit in with it, he would have never placed you in that ministry to begin with. 
You will not always get a pat on the back for doing a good job. As Christians, our rewards are waiting for us in heaven. Would you prefer for your pastor to pat you on the back and say, good job, or for Jesus to pat you on the back and say, well done, good and faithful servant? God is a wonderful accountant, and someday the books will be open and the rewards will be distributed. I trust that your rewards will be great. They will be determined by your attitude here, now, on this earth. And that is true. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And, and I, I have looked this up in the past. If you guys go look up where reward is mentioned, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome because God is a rewarder. God loves us. He didn't do all this because he was out to get us. He did it because he loves us, you know, and we have to have order. I'm going to read this last thing because I think it was. Mm, I don't think that's necessary. Okay, so this part is interesting. Dedication and devotion to death was the order of each day for the biblical armor bearer. Although there is no reference material available to indicate the exact procedure involved in the selection and training of an armor bearer in biblical days, it seems clear that whatever method was used, it was obviously a position of heartfelt loyalty. It is also evident that the armor bearer was chosen and trained by the officer he would serve. That's awesome. You guys have been chosen. You're being trained. And um, we can expect that God's glory is going to come through our life. And something that even I've had to come to, and I think a lot of times, and even recently, I actually forgot this, but how the Lord has helped me, how the Holy Spirit has helped me move through seasons of life that were more difficult than others or where I feel like a season I may not get out of or wasn't seeing the season that I was wanting to see or things like that, and then just having that battle within myself, something that always would come up out of my spirit was, if this is the only thing that I do for the rest of my life, I'm going to do it. What else is there to go back to? You know? I mean, it's like the devil would try to come and try to um, tempt me with, you know, um, what if you're doing this forever? So be it. It's way more than I ever did before I went on this journey. I'll tell you that. I was living a life of death, hell. I should have been dead. I definitely wasn't growing in any capacity. I had no direction. So now all of a sudden that I have direction in my life, the flesh wants to run, and I'm supposed to follow? No. We need to do that. We need to crucify the flesh. We need to move forward. We need to not go back to where we came from of leading our lives in a way that seems right, like the Bible talks about, but in all our ways acknowledge him and he'll direct our path. And this is how he does it, through serving, through giving of ourselves to the Lord and just remembering that it's the Lord that we're giving ourselves to. It's not a man. Um, it's not a church. It's not a church building. You know, what if Don came in here um, every time he came to fix something, he's like, that's all I do is give myself to this building. I mean, that's silly. He knows why he's coming. And so um, we just all have to remember those things. And I mean, we have to remind ourselves. And so in closing, just remember that we're called to serve Christ in whatever capacity to see God's will done in one another and the kingdom of God. And so that's it. I'm finished. It really wasn't that long. Does anybody have any questions over anything at all?
All right, well, we'll pray and close. I love you guys so much. Um, yeah, you know what? You know what made today so great that I was able to serve pastor in coming? I would rather come for that purpose than any other purpose, you know? To serve the Lord, obviously, that's why we come every week, so that's a given. But the fact to be able to serve by being here and filling in, that's what we're called to do, you know? Whether it's here, this isn't my favorite to do either in the church, you know? But you know what? I have to do what God says. I have to do what he wants. I have to do what's uncomfortable. But when it has to do with the call of my life, which is to serve, man, it's a blessing. So, Father, just let that be in our hearts, that we want to serve you in all that we do. Help us to set our minds, God, on all that you've called us to do, even in those areas, God, that it may be that we want to see, but we just haven't yet seen. God, I just thank you that you would reveal to us, to us those areas, God, that you have for us to serve, Lord. Maybe those that are just starting, Lord, that you can spark that in them, Lord, or even those things that you've already talked to them about, that maybe they may have a hesitancy. Lord, I just pray that you would just put an urgency in them, Lord, to serve you, to serve this house, God, according to what you called us to do, Lord, according to the vision. Help us all, God, to maintain the culture that you've, that you've um, led us to here, God, that that's built on the foundation of the word of God. Everything here, we want to be done on the foundation of your word, God. We want to be done based on the vision that you've given Pastor Ziggy, God. And help us all, Lord, to see the areas where we've been lacking, to see those blind spots in our lives, God. Give us the courage and the strength and the boldness, God, to, to move forward in those areas. And maybe some of those things that need to be left behind, God, those things that, that we need to move forward, those things that maybe we even need a transition, that that maybe even somebody else ends up moving into a role, God. Let us be willing and obedient to do anything that you ask of us, whether it's easy, whether it's hard, Lord, whether no matter what it is, God, just let us yield to your spirit. Let us move forward in all that you have for us, God, as your church, as Winner's Church here, God. We want to fulfill the plan and purpose to which you've called us, God. We want to be able to see those people that, that need to come in, come in, but until we're at our post until we're in the position that you called us to move in and to move forward in God we're not able to receive the people that you've called here so God just let it be a um a responsibility of joy let it be um seen as um as a gift from you, Lord, to be able to take care of positions that you've called us to. Let us recognize the giftings and the callings that you have for each of us, God. Let us be better um, at serving our leaders, God, in every area of the church, God, even in our homes, Lord. You know, in our homes, as we see our children serve us and we serve them, Lord, we know that that's the picture of what you called us to, Lord that you've served us in every way. You've given us all that we need to have life and to have it abundantly, God, and help us to do the same. Help us to live that life to the fullness of your glory, God, to walk in the plan and purpose, to have our footsteps ordered by you and by your word, God. And we just thank you that your grace is abounding toward us. We thank you that the Holy Ghost is stirring us up in the innermost part of our being, Lord, that you've empowered us to win in every area that you've called us to 
to, God. Let us see the gaps, Lord, and fill them. Let us do the things that others have been unwilling to do. Change our minds, God, to facilitate the work. Change our minds, God, so that we can be those that we've seen around us, that their very lives are oracles of you, are testaments of who you are, God. They speak louder than our mouths, God. And so just thank you for your spirit, God. Thank you for your empowerment, God. And I just thank you that every person here, Lord, and those that didn't make it, God, I just thank you, Lord, that they would be fully persuaded, God, of your call and your purpose, of, of healing, God, for their bodies, Lord. Even Mr. Rick. Mr. Rick's been on my heart today. I just thank you that wherever he's at, Lord, I just thank you for life. I speak life to every part of his body that is trying to come against him. Lord, I command that body right now to move and to be healed in Jesus' name. We speak life over Mr. Rick right now in Jesus' name where he's at. I thank you for peace. I thank you, Lord, that he would know that he's not alone, but you've sent ministering spirits there to be with him, God, that, he, that you're with him, God. You're for him, God. And if you're for him, who can be against him, God? I just thank you for your peace. I thank you for your presence where he's at, God, right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we just thank you for our pastors. We thank you for our leaders of this church, God. I thank you that, that um, any area that needs change, God, in us as we're serving as leaders, God, that you would reveal it and then empower us to change, God, that our mind, minds would be willing. It's just like pastor says, the hardest and the easiest thing to change is your mind. God, I just thank you that that wouldn't be us, God, that our minds would change, Lord, as you're making the changes in our life, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for our pastors, that they would, that all these things that we talked about today, that they would have confidence, Lord, and the people that you've brought here, God, not confidence in the people more than confidence in you, but confidence that you brought those people here, Lord, to fulfill the vision, God, that we don't need others to come. We want others to come, but we don't need others to fulfill the things that you've already called these people here to do. So God, I just thank you that even as, as they look at the church, I know they don't think negative or anything like that, but I just thank you that they would be more confident than ever before that the clear vision of this church is being walked out by each of us that we're all carrying the load that you've called us to carry, not in our strength, but in the power and strength of your might that you've anointed us and set us apart for. And I just thank you that our pastors would be blessed more than ever by seeing the work that you've done in the people of this house that you've called to co-labor with them. I thank you that we'd be a stronger family in this season than ever before. I thank you that we would move together um, arms locked together. You said that a cord with three is stronger. I may be misquoting, but anyways, I know that if one could put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 and the mighty men and women of God that you called to this house can put hundreds of thousands. So God, I just thank you, Lord, that you've called us to a big work. I thank you that you would help us to change our minds, to facilitate the dream and the vision that you have, God, that our dreams would be your dreams, that we would see the vision that you've given, God, that we wouldn't see ourselves as small, but we would see ourselves in the caliber that you see us, God, so that we can rise up and be all that you've called us to be for such a time as this in the mighty name of Jesus, even our children, God. I thank you, Lord, that they would see our lives, God, and they wouldn't have to even have an armor bearer class because their lives exude it.
They would be lovers of you so much, Lord, that service would be their ultimate goal, Lord, that service to God, that service to the house of God, that service to the men and women of God would be so strong in their being that they would have to be pushed out of those roles of service to be in the roles of leaders leaders and higher callings, God, because they love to serve you. You said that the least of these is the greatest, God, and we know, Lord, that there is none least in the kingdom of God, that we are all children of the most high God. We know that we are seated in heavenly places with you, and this is not our home, but our home is heaven. So, God, I just thank you that as we step out tonight that we would remember who we are, who you called us to be, and who we belong to, that we're a part of the family of God, the God of heaven and earth that created us, that his kingdom will be done, that his will, his kingdom will come and will will be done through our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Fill us full once again today. Fill us full from the innermost part of our being. Let those rivers of living waters flow in Jesus name. We thank you for it. Amen.